All right, what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to Position in Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom, everybody online and in the room. Who is here at New Freedom for the first time tonight? Anybody? A few of you. Good. Very well, welcome. Welcome. Um, let us warn you in advance, what we do here is a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. Um, primary reason that's so is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do, we've been doing for a lot of years, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what we do here is simply, I'll show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience with the book. It may look like I'm telling you what it says, but I'm trying not to show you that, so you know. It's none of my business what it says to you, but I'm showing you how I find what it says to me. But if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in here tonight. Fair enough? And for anybody who comes from the religious side rather than the atheist or agnostic side, um, everybody, the half the original fellowship were religious, the other half were atheist or agnostics. I want to speak to you. If you came here expecting a sermon, Pastor Joe's going to cuss. <laughs> Just so you know. I don't want to offend any sensibilities here. I've heard rumors, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, so tonight we're in steps eight and nine, and those are the freedom steps, the fitness steps. So this is what we should aspire to if we really want to get free, and we're gonna start on page 76 of the book. Middle of the page, if you're following along in a book, it says, now we need more action without which we find that faith without works is dead. Does anyone recognize that from another book? It's a teaching from the book of James, and it's not by accident it's there, but they, if they specifically apply it to us as addicts for a specific reason. Any of you understand why they apply that to us? Because many of us are doubters by nature. Some of us don't believe at all, and we come to believe based on our experience of God rather than someone's theology of God. And then as a manner of living, I prove the power of God to me, through me. And in so doing, in an active life of service, I receive the transformation I require to live free. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. Do you all have such a list? Where did you get it? So what they said is we made it when we took inventory. So the reason I point that out to you is there was a promise in the last chapter with a condition. What did they say? Rarely have we seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. Precise instructions of what they did, what they encountered, and initially in the, in the process of discovering the path, the way, we discover a process that leads us to the way, and then the way is the way. Does that make sense? Okay. So we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. How many of you who have done this considered 
that step drastic. The self-appraisal, four and five, that disclosure. How many of you have not done it yet because it looks a little drastic? So do not let fear steal from you a better version of yourself. All of us once thought and felt as you do. We doubt if we'd made much progress had we not taken action, right? Okay, so now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. Did you realize that's what eight and nine were preparing me to do? Eight's a list and nine is a direct amends wherever possible, right? And I'm going to do that because I've got a reparation to make. It's not enough to say I'm sorry because I have said I'm sorry many times while I went out to reoffend. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Think about it in your daily interactions. How many of you have run up, you wanted to talk to somebody, they were talking to somebody else, and you said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but... <laughs> so clearly you were not sorry. So you more honestly should have said, I'm going to interrupt because my time's more important than whatever this shit's. <laughs> so let's just own it. That's who we are, right? All right, so we attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Now they're starting to put emphasis on us. If I had the willingness to do the next right thing, I'd have done it before I burned down the house, lost the business, and drove my family away. So I, don't, I lack the willingness to live a righteous life, and I'm not going to be able to until I ask for that willingness and start growing in consciousness of that power in my life. Does that make sense? So willingness is divine power. It's not, it's not going to somehow well out of me because I changed my mind. I'm going to need a power greater than me that will change my mind, and I'll find myself acting better than I feel or, or think. Any of you ever do that? found yourself acting and responding different than you were really thinking. That's a power greater than you operating through you. There's a simple little theology lesson. Okay? It's a reality, the great reality. That capacity for good is in me, but it's not of me. I've got to summon it, and then I've got to obey it. Okay. All right, so if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. With whom did we make that agreement? power within me. So if I'm still sober, if I still am, at least maybe I don't feel like I'm in victory over alcohol, but I'm still sober, then I might want to honor my commitment. Yeah. Right? Okay. So probably there are still some misgivings. So they're acknowledging, right? Any of you looking at step nine are going, not so much. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel different about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. How many of you, come on, I'm in a room full of people who probably had a few nefarious business partners. Or, <laughs> true? So we may feel a little funky going to them on a spiritual basis initially. True? Okay. So it says... to. Let us be reassured to some people we need not, probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. So they've indicated there's a first approach and then there's going to be subsequent approaches. How many of you have gone and made the approach and everyone just looked at you and said, yeah, just show me. I've heard that shit from you for years. How many of you have had them come back to you, dude, something's changed in you. 
Tell me what I can do to help. Or I've got a son, a daughter, a wife, a husband that is dying, and I know how bad you were, and I see you now. Can you help them? That's when we discover purpose, folks. Right? Okay. So we don't want to tell them that right away. Let them observe, right? That's why faith without works is dead. I prove the power to me, through me, and works are observable by others, and they will see me behaving better than they know me to do. Yes? Okay. So at the moment, we're trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be a maximum service to God and the people about us. When we say God in 12-step recovery, what are we talking about? So i got to fit myself to be of maximum service to power and the people about, and that power flows through me, but it's not of me, and I'm forming this relationship, and there's a promise that I'm going to have all this freedom if I keep close to him and perform his work well, and his work, if you read that other book, is just feed my sheep. So the more we do, the freer we get. Okay? So then it says... It's seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we've gone religious. Why is that not always wise? May be offensive. It may not be believable in light of their experience of me. Right? Better show them and ask them, have them ask you rather than, right? Okay. So in the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded or fanatics or religious bores? So they put a question mark because they want us to go introspectively. How many of you are afraid of being branded religious or some kind of fanatic and so you don't cop to this experience you're having? Any of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah, I'm not too sure I want to talk about that just yet. I'm not even sure it's happening for me yet. Right? So... Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. They're, they're helping me grow in my faith by questioning my thoughts. Right? Okay. So we may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. So it may be that my approach was wrong to begin with. Maybe my approach should be one of contrition rather than declaration. Right? The introduction is going to be when they catch me acting better than they expect me to. So... Our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. Wouldn't you be? Right? So that's, just, that's a no-brainer if we just think about what, what we're coming to talk to him about, some difficult experience with us, and just tell him, Yay, yeah, man, been out there looking for God. Sure sorry about your stereo. a little iffy, right? While you're out there looking for God, did you happen to find my fucking stereo? That's what I want. Right? Okay. So we don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God when it will serve any good purpose we're willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. So what's that look like? Because it went crickets, I assume you understand it's an individual response. The spirit in you will know how to respond if you'll just allow the spirit to express itself through you. Okay. So the question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. So they didn't say that like it might arise. How many of you don't like the word hate? 
Come on, I've done enough work with people. They tell me, I don't hate anybody. Okay, okay, well, that means strongly dislike. Let's wind it back. Got any of those? Because they're telling us it will arise, right? Okay, so it may be that he's done us more harm than we've done him, and though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we're still not too keen about admitting our faults. Any of you relate to that guy now? Like, I got him and he got me. But if I go cop to him, it's going to humiliate me. So screw him. All right? So that, what they're trying to set us up for is this is my fitness exercise. It really doesn't matter how he responds. It matters that I prove the power to me through me. Because if I don't get free of these limiting thoughts about me, he can't humiliate me. When I did that to him, I humiliated me. If I'll just go pick that shit up, then... Whatever he's stuck with, that's his. Does it make sense? Okay. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. So there's a metaphor there. What are they talking about? Right? You guys get that? When an animal gets the bit in the teeth, it takes the, the lead, right? It, takes, it directs the conversation. So they're not saying control the situation, just control the interaction. And it may be tough. That's why you're going to get the bit in your teeth, Right? So it's harder to go to an enemy than to a friend. So we acknowledge that. All right? That's a real attack on the ego. But we find it much more beneficial to us. Now, don't get it twisted. I've heard people say, go to the toughest one first. No, that's not what they said. They said, I'm going to get more benefit from the guy I hate because we're called to hate no one. Love your enemy. Right? But the reality is, I'm not ready to do that when I first get here. So they got a suggestive path to the wife, to the family, to the employer. Get a circle of support around you as you grow in the spirit and you start. The big amends is helping others. So if you'll make yourself useful helping others, they will push you through your amends. Trust me on that. Or don't trust me on that. Just do it and see what the fuck happens. <laughs> we go to them in a helpful and forgiving spirit, so they give us an instruction. How do I get in a helpful and forgiving spirit? I'm going to have to consult the spirit. I'm going to ask for willingness. I'm going to ask for power. I'm going to have to put myself in his place or her place and say, how would I like to be approached if the roles were reversed? Right? Then it says, we confessing our former real feeling and expressing our regret. So do not go try and do that by their experience unless you've consulted the spirit and empowered yourself or you're liable to go back and have to make amends for the amends you tried to make. Any of you done that? Yeah, some of them turn into a shit show when we're not. Okay. So under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. So now they're telling you what they did when they didn't consult the spirit. Anytime they tell you not to do something, they're telling you all the experience they had. Okay. So simply we tell them that we'll never get over drinking until we've done our utmost to straighten out the past. Our faith has got to be grounded in that, guys. If I don't make this right, I will never be free. I'll always be tethered to that event somehow. So I've got to do my best to make this right because I need the freedom that that experience will grant me. This is why I'm still consciously getting the bit in my teeth. Right? Okay, so we're there to sweep off our side of the street realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished till we do so never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. Did you notice how many times they said that? 
Do you think that might be indicative of how many times they screwed it up? Because as you grow in fitness, how many of you started getting fit again in your life and you started hitting the gym and progressively you got more fit, you could lift more weight, you got more range of motion. Same thing happens in the spirit. The more you exercise the spirit and start combating with the spirit, the worldly desires, you will grow in the spirit. Okay? So we stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. So what is it? When they say our manner, that's not my declaration, that's what they can observe. So calm, what's a calm manner look like? It looks like you're not sweating or freaking out, or right? And frank, what do they mean? Direct, not trying to spin it. And then open. I'm open to whatever else they have to say that I may be unaware of because they may have perceived what I did differently than I perceived it. It really doesn't matter. I'm there to amend to their satisfaction because it doesn't have anything to do with me. Their perception doesn't have anything to do with me. My ownership of their suffering is what I'm there to fix. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so it says our manner is calm, frank, and open. We will be gratified with the result. In nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. So how many of you have had experience of having to go make an approach and you're worried about all the outcomes to the point that you didn't go make the approach. And how many of you are worried about all the outcomes you did finally make the approach and none of that happened? Congratulations, 90% of the time that's what's gonna happen. What about the 10% where they do exactly what you fear? How many of you grew more because you confronted that fear and walked through the consequence you had coming? Whatever that is. What else are you going to do? What, are you going to run from that all your life? No. Right? We have. We've tried it. Yeah. That's how we got here. Right? <laughs> um, so, so it says that the man, sometimes the man we're calling upon admits his own fault, so feuds of your standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. They don't use that word very many times in the book. So what do they mean by rarely? rarely. They mean rarely. Doesn't happen very often. And every once in a while, you get a real shit sandwich. <laughs> and there's a reason, because it's preparing you for something else, guys. Man, this population, you guys, you men and women, have to know whatever you went through prepared you for a magnificent service opportunity. And, and, and we're just here to help you launch, right? Okay. All right, so... Our former enemies sometimes praise what we're doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they will offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We've made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. Right? Yeah. Let it go. How many of you are still tethered to it? You went to them, they didn't respond the way you'd hoped, and now you're still tethered to the event. Well, it's the, that's the first approach. So you may, have to, you may have to go back because they may cling. How many of you got family who still see the old you every time they see you? I'm not responsible for their memory of me. I'm responsible for their experience of me and owning the part I played in it. And then their perception of me going forward, dude, I got a whole world to serve. I can't, you know, there was another book where they said, let the dead bury the dead. We got people to talk to. We got people to lift up. And the family, you got to understand this, guys. 
We are not here to lead. We are here to follow. But when we're following him, men and women inevitably follow us. That's the reality. And we need to get grounded and then go. Okay? So we've made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. Most alcoholics owe money. Seems like a bit, a bit of an understatement, doesn't it? They did say most. I think we got a collective 99.6 in here. So that's kind of the no-brainer. It says we do not dodge our creditors. How'd they learn that? We tr all try and dodge our creditors. We all try and put things off as long as we can. How many of you experienced a lot of grace and you didn't even have to pay the piper until later when you were more grounded? It really does happen. We really get protected from some stuff for a while to get. Um, tell them that what we're trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. So how many of you have had the experience of when you finally admitted your addiction, you made it unanimous? They're like, oh, that's a relief. <laughs> if that's all it was. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I thought I had them fooled. Any of you ever thought you had them fooled? I'd lie to them right to their face. I'd know they knew I was lying. I'd lie anyway. <laughs> I will ride the wheels off this freaking story. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory that it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, most, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we're sorry. So how do I let them know? I give them a demonstration, right? I show up. I don't tell them what I'm going to do or what they're going to do. I, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. You did not deserve that. I was wrong. What can I do to make it right? And then hopefully I've consulted the spirit and I have the power to shut up. <laughs> but not always. Okay. So our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go if we're liable to drink if we're afraid to face them. Guys, we make that, and we sound like that seems so impossible. Well, no, I got this. I need a spiritual release. I am dependent on spirits. That's why I got in this pickle. So if I block off the flow of the spirit because of a grievance that is in me, I will need a release, and I know where to find it in this neighborhood. So that's not a joke to those of us who know that we are dependent, and no medical science has cured our dependence. They just switched in 12-step recovery what we're dependent on. And in fact, eventually you'll know it's who you're dependent on. Okay? So perhaps we've committed a criminal offense, which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. Perhaps. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We have admitted, already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we're sure we'd be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Any of you ever had that kind of fear? How many of you lost your job and got imprisoned anyway when you ducked it? So that's, that's hardly an appropriate deflection if I'm being honest with myself. If I don't get free of this event, I'm going to lose my freedom in a more tangible way. 
And in fact, it can't be more tangible than being imprisoned in my mind anyway. This is what we learn if we've had our freedom taken away, right? Okay, so maybe it's only a petty offense such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we're divorced and have remarried but haven't kept up the alimony to number one. She's indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble too. We get into trouble in 12-step recovery when people start comparing what they haven't been to what the authors tell you about. So if you haven't been married, that's cool. If you haven't had a job, that's cool. If you have, but there's some experience that brought you to us because no one gets here on a winning streak. Okay. So, so we're going to look at all the scenarios and keep an open mind to what it might look like in my life. I don't know what it looks like in your life. The answer is for you or in you. But we all have attachments to something or we wouldn't be struggling. Right? So although these reparations take innumerable forms, so what does that mean? Lots of people, lots of suffering, lots of forms of suffering, lots of forms of attachment. Okay? There are some general principles which we find guiding. So that'd be cool if we just cut through all the crap. I'm not like that, but I'm like this. I relate to that when I want to wait till he tell my story. Otherwise, screw that. Let's just follow the general principles because whatever is causing me to be blocked, I want free of. Yeah? Okay, so reminding ourselves that we've decided to go to any length to find a spiritual experience. So do you know that? I didn't come here to get sober. That's what we teach, but that's not what happened. That's what brought me here. But what the authors finally showed is sober, if you mean abstinent, isn't going to work for you. Because you're not good in abstinence. And so you ask yourself, how did I react to my abstinence in my last day or days? Any of you tear up the floor? Look for little crumbles on the floor? Get a little uncomfortable? So abstinence isn't the answer. It's, it's improving the flow of the spirit. It's show, you know, getting to source what my dependence should have been by design. Okay, so reminding ourselves we decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. We asked that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. What did they tell us in two? Once they made a commitment to the power, they encountered the power, they said they found that a new sense of power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them provided they took other simple steps. Now you're in the fitness step, and you're starting to get that sense of direction, but we got to keep moving in it because our addiction or our dependence is progressive, which we've probably proven on our way here. Yes? Okay. So no matter what the personal consequences may be, we may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we're willing. We have to be. We must not shrink in anything. So why was I willing to do things I was never willing to do when I finally decided to commit myself to this manner of living? Grace. Grace. I got lifted up. I experienced this absolute drive called desperation that would not let me stop. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we're not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we know had remarried because of resentment and drinking. He had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, had secured a position, and was getting his head above water. So what are they describing to us there? What's the way of life? 
he had found somebody. Yeah, he's, he's actually living the 12 steps. And we started teaching people about working the steps, and I know we did it as a treatment model, but reality, this is a manner of living. The steps are all inclusive. It's about learning to discipline your thoughts, learning that the world has no power over you, that you don't grant it because of who you are and whose you are, but you've got to discipline your thoughts. Right? And that's not theories. These are facts from our experience. Okay? So it would have been impressive heroics if he'd walked up to the judge and said, here I am. Well, that would be impressive heroics, wouldn't it? But if you're trying to grow in the spirit, are we about impressive heroics? No. no. We're about humble servitude. And since we're not any good at that, we're going to have to take guidance. Right? All right. So we thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary. But if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. We suggested that he write his first wife admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did, and he also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try and do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Which of those do you think changed her mind, if it did in fact change her mind, about what she was seeing? He said, I'm always interested in what... When we come in and we own that we don't try and spin it, he said, I, I'm, I'm going to show up with some money... Uh, Josie's big on telling, you know, if you're going to court, don't just show up and ask for mercy. Show up with some money and tell them what you're willing to put in, right? And that's the 12th step. Show up with something. That's what I'm willing to do. And I understand that none of this is to keep you from locking me up. If that's what's up, then I'm down with that. There must be someone I'm carrying a message to. And you will grow in the spirit because any links, that's what it might look like. Okay? So... He did, and he also sent a small, oh, I got to that. You were perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course she did not. Now, I will suggest to you, remember the manner that's calm, and I kind of left that hanging, what's it look like? When he told her he was perfectly willing to go to jail, and of course she did not, he felt a flow of the Spirit at that moment because he really didn't believe, he didn't know the of course she did not. See, we see that as a no-brainer, but... The other alternative was always present. That's how the faith grows. Does it make sense? That's why we do it. It's not a bunch of rules. It's how do I get free of my limiting thoughts about me unless I confront my fears? And I'm not going to confront my fears until I grow in conscious relation with this power. And the only way I'm going to grow in conscious relation is to do the next indicated thing. And the next indicated thing is leave it up to her to decide after I've properly admitted my part. And that's easy to say, very difficult to do. So the calm manner, while it looks calm, don't feel calm. <laughs> that's how it's supposed to be. Okay? So, so the whole situation has long since been adjusted. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. So there's a guiding principle. We remind ourselves what we're trying to do. I'm trying to get free of me so I can be a better version of me. I'm going to need power to do it, so if you'll go with me, I'm willing to go. Give me willingness, right? I have faith. Increase my faith. Sound familiar? I believe. Increase my belief. <laughs> this is scary shit. Okay. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. They just told you what it is to pray and meditate on the fly. 
I ask, I got conviction, time to go. See what they're describing? They're describing a sensory experience everyone in this room has had. Do I really have to do this? Yeah, you really have to do this. Oh, you're going. There's not a different way we can do this? Okay, if you're going, I'll go. Okay. All right. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? This brings to mind the story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. So it was at the stage for you. This is a guy that was a, more of an Oxford group member, not an AA guy. So you don't read a lot about him in the book beyond here. But he was of the religious side. Half the original fellowship were religious. The other half were atheists or agnostics. So what was important to him was getting back to his church family. And this particular business rival was giving him money for the church fund. And he was engaged in drinking. And I don't know about the rest of you, but sometimes when I'm drinking, money entrusted to me has an evaporative rate that is difficult to explain. <laughs> Some of you understand what I'm saying. So that's what happened to the cat, but he's not the guy that's going to go back to the AA hall. He's, he's got to go back to the church, and he's afraid to go to the church because he knows what he's done, and he knows who he's done it to, right? Okay. So he felt he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. How many of you that come from a more religious background know exactly what that would feel like? If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? Question mark again. Going inward. So now he's reminding himself of guiding principles. None without their permission. Right? So he's got to have to go out. I may, you know, I may be gone a while. I may be late for work. About three to five. So, I'm looking. Um, so he, how could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? So you've got to think about what happened, what he did to his rival, and who the others were. The others were the entire congregation of the church. So he doesn't even know who they are. He hasn't been able to go in many years because of his fear. So he's got to consult the Spirit. Does that make sense? Even if you don't come from any kind of religious teaching at all, obviously I'm going to need access to information I do not have. Right? Okay. So after consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. So those of you that aren't religious, you may not get that language, but any of you that have been in a church family... You know, there are stories in Acts that would suggest when I've stolen from the community, I might just die right there at the altar. In case y'all don't know, I mean, that's, there are such stories. So we may really be feeling some trepidation at this point, is all I'm saying. And those of you that don't get it, I'm just trying to help you understand this particular experience. Okay? So he saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he'd soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. So you can relate to that even if you were never religious. You ever had something you really needed to face and you knew, if I don't do something about this, I'm twisting off. So that's all they're saying. Okay? So he attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. 
How many of you guys that have been in a church family, been absent for years, can imagine how difficult it would be to get up and make this explanation after many years absence. He would have had to set that up with the pastor. He would have had to sit through a sermon with the mind attacking the entire time, trying to steal his identity from him. It would be scary. That's what any links might look like. Okay? So he, his action met widespread approval. Now, he couldn't possibly have foreseen that, could he? And today he's one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. So what they wanted you to see is the transformation of the thief of the church fund to the most trusted citizen of the town through the power of God. That's the picture. Pretty cool. Some of you felt that. Who felt that? That's the power we call God around here. Seek that. We're junkies. Get it. The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Any of you? Domestic troubles? You ever had a domestic or no? You got some? Got you. I understand wanting to be a little. Perhaps we're mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. We doubt if in this respect alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. True? Tweakers, it <laughs> complicates the home, everything. But sex relations are fine, it's just not in my home. <laughs> it's true, Sean. Um, so after a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, and uncommunicative. How many of you have had that experience? See, that's always what we see first, but we're looking through the lens of our thoughts. So you understand, we got to understand how could she be anything else. So the whole process is getting me to see life from another's perspective, right? That would be helpful if you don't get that, then go read the chapter to the wives and see what it looks like to have me come home to you for years at a time, or not come home, or whatever, or come home with extras. Um, <laughs> How could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. So they're walking us through the whole experience, right? He commences to look around the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. How many of you have gone on a search for something besides liquor? Sean goes to the strip club. How many of you in recovery have gone to your recovery hall for something besides liquor? We're honest, we do it, right? So let's not kick everybody for that. That's what we do. When I don't feel right, I'm going to fill it with something. And it's just, but we can, we can lovingly help people through that if they want to grow, right? All right, so perhaps he's having a secret and exciting affair with the girl who understands. Have any of you met him or her? In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? So back inward. It's really not their level of understanding that's affecting my current condition. So that's just a deflection that I would use to stop from growing. So I really need to bring it home, yeah? Okay. A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times. So how many of you can relate to that? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Damn, I feel bad. Fuck her. Did you see how she was? Because that's what they're talking about. Very remorseful at times. I got to get into proper action or the mind will take over. Does it make sense? Either you're the tool or your mind's the tool. 
you decide. But once you decide that you're in charge and you're taking your mind where you need to go in service, then you'll have to fortify the high place because the attacks will come. So a man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he's married to a loyal and courageous girl who's literally gone through hell for him. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. So we're, we're going to have to quit skating, quit giving ourselves reasons not to grow, and then just summon the power, the willingness to grow, right? Okay, so if we're sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? How sure are you? Pretty sure she, she didn't know about that eight ball in the closet too, huh? So we're not always as sneaky as we think. So again, consult the spirit, right? Not always we think. If she knows in a general way that we've been wild, should we tell her in detail? Another question mark. It sounds like the, that was forceful. Must, must have had some experience with learning in detail. Who asked for detail, got detail? Wish she hadn't got so much detail. So that's really not a compassionate thing to give a blow by blow, so to speak. <laughs> we just trip lightly past that. <laughs> Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She'll want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her, we have no right to involve another person. You look at the words they use. That's how we feel. But that may not be how I act if I'm not empowered in the spirit. Any of you ever felt and known how you should behave and then lacked the power to do so when the pressure came? This, this is why it's the fitness step, because we're going to have to get disciplined or we're going to, and the attack comes, we're going to, we're going to fall short, Right? Not a rule, just it's a no-brainer. Okay? So we're sorry for what we've done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further, though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we've often found this the best course to take. So they already give me an out because of justifiable exceptions, and they found by exercising the justifiable exceptions that they'd have been better to do what they described, but they lacked the power to do it. So did they not grow in faith once they reviewed? Because if I would have prepared for this, that might not have happened. And what happens is they demand who they are and where they are. I've done it. I coughed it up. And now it deflects, and now they're mad at her, and she's not the one who deceived them. I am. So now I've ruined two relationships. Right? So the better course would have been this one, but I wasn't fortified in the spirit. So now I get to stand in front of a room full of people and tell them that's what I did. And this is what God's done with it. He's, he's allowed me to bear witness that the best approach is learned by bitter experience, but the grace is sufficient. Yeah? Okay? All right. So our design for living is not a one way street. It's as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. I, I would recommend to you that you let her or him discover that on their own and not call that to their attention unless you want to get at a podium like this and tell about that shit show. Because that's not going to go well. 
It's better, however, if one, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. So that's what we learn. Okay. So perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. So who's an outsider? Everybody but you in the spirit. We always go to the spirit last. And we get confirmation and we move with confidence. And then if it doesn't turn out, we got another step, step right? Admit promptly we're wrong, go the other way. Because <laughs> you're probably going to make some mistakes. And you're going to think you made them and maybe you didn't. Maybe there was a lesson for someone else. It ain't all about you. It ain't all about me. Okay. All right. So it may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we're dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk face-to-face -face combat. So a lot of metaphor in Bill's writing, but all he's saying is no one wants to be told how they should think or feel. So they're going to think or feel how they are. And if I'll just go about my business and be loving and kind to the best of my spirit-empowered ability, that eventually they'll respond to that. And in the meantime, I've done plenty of harm on my own. I can, I can get through, right? Love and tolerance of others is our code. And you'll grow in the spirit as a result. Okay. So if we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. How many of you heard that shit? Come on. Does that make any sense to us who are really addicts? How many of you tried a little sober? How many of you found you still had a problem? How have you re returned? So if the only thing I need to do is that, and that's the one thing I cannot do, then I'm really in trouble. Hence my, I lied in one, or the only thing I must do is stay sober is a lie. One of the two is true. I'm either powerless, therefore I've got to do a lot, or, does it make sense? Okay. I'm of that category. I do not have the power to not pick up. I, and I, it takes no power to not pick up, just in case you believe that lie. It takes no power to not do something. We've taught that crap for years. It takes no power. You want to get power? Get power to be free. Get power to serve. Get power to be a vessel. And then you'll find out, right? All right. So if we have no such complication, there's plenty we should do at home. Oh, I'm sorry. I already went through that. So certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he's yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents, whom for years he's so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding as the patients mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. Everyone can sort of relate to that. Many of us have been through the no homes. Many of us have watched our friends die. Many of us have come close ourselves all because we're tethered to old ideas and old behaviors that were no longer serving us, and it was obvious to everyone, including us, yet we lack the power to do anything about it, right? So this is why, in earnestness, we want to start prosecuting this manner of living. So the alcoholic's like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking, when he says that sobriety is enough. I'd like for you to internalize that because so often in our fellowships, people say, well, at least I'm sober. 
And for the new guy to understand that the only thing I am is that which I'm incapable of producing is not a good place to leave the new guy. So a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. I have to be willing to bear witness to the restoration I've experienced, the encounter I had, and why I'm attempting to offer something to them. I have to be. He's like the farmer who came out of the cyclone shelter to find his home ruined. To his wife remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? I mean, it is a little silly, right? Let me sweep up behind the dumpster. (laughs) Go to work. I got this. Okay. Yes, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead, and we must take the lead. So now, the rebuilding of this life in him requires my will, too. That's why I didn't lose my will to God. I turned it and had God direct it. There's not God's will and my will. There's God's will and my disagreement with what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) A remorseful mumbling that we're sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it. How many of you have a different view of your family having been through the step experience? And you realize that as difficult as they may have been, that you didn't make it any easier. And so we can sort of see them from a different perspective and we can start, okay, being careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. Creator is capitalized. They're trying to talk to you about a tangible power. They're trying to talk to you about a person, not a theology. They're trying to talk to you about a reality in your life. And this Creator is going to show you the way. Patience, tolerance, kindness, love. And empower you in that way. Yeah? Okay. All of that to say this, the spiritual life's not a theory. See, we we gotta get that. If we're just trying to talk spiritual, we've missed the whole point. What we need to be is consciously disciplining our thoughts so that the spirit is animating in us because we won't have to announce it when the lights come on, just like if I turn the lights off and turn them on, no one has to say, hey, the lights are coming on, because that'll be self-evident. And if you're walking in the spirit, Everyone will know when you come in the room, just like Bill didn't know why, but he knew Ebby was different. Right? Okay. So, we have to live it. What does live it look like? Luckily, they wrote it down. (laughs) Don't add to it. Don't take from it. It's not your testimony. It's no testimony of anyone living today. It was the first 100 They're all gone, but they wrote it down precisely so we could follow if we will. If you're not getting the experience they had, it doesn't mean they're wrong. Okay. So we think uh, spiritual principles, unless one's family expressed a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Why and how did they learn They shouldn't talk incessantly to the family. Because the life I've lived doesn't qualify me to talk about anything. Show me your walk, then I'll listen to your talk. And that's fair, right? 
okay? All right, so they will change in time. So claim that promise. Look at all the people, all the brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, grandparents that you can serve right here, right now, without trying to confront somebody who's not ready to receive you. Okay, okay so our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness can make a skeptic out of anyone. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. How many of you have got those? Did a harm, that person's gone. Okay. It says we don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. So you want to ask yourself, if you're still worrying about them, then would you honestly write them if you could? Or have you not let go of your unforgiveness? Because they're writing down an experience they had, and sometimes we cling to a grievance, and then we, for self-pity reasons, oh, if I hadn't have done that, I'd be all right, but since I can't fix that, right? You understand what they're talking about, all the twists and turns of the mind? Have you been tethered to an old event, and the person's gone, and you're still dying of it and taking others with you? Okay. So some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter, and they're may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. So now they're all talking about accountability of the power in me. Right? I know if it can be avoided or if it can't, and I'm going to keep asking for willingness until I can move forward or I'm not. Right? Okay. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. So this isn't about you humiliating yourself. It's about walking to them and announcing who you are and whose you are, and they don't deserve to be treated that way by you, given your particular status. Right? And, and we don't have to hang our head when we say that. The only reason I'm there to talk to them is the Father sent me to them. So I'm here to say, man, what, what I did before was, was not correct. And I'm here to set it right to your specification, not mine. Okay. As pe God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. Who we are and whose we are. Grow into it and know it. Right? He's the father. We're his children. Most good ideas are simple. But this is the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we walk to freedom. So, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase of our development? Started prosecuting the amends, and I'm getting going, right? Okay? And some of you, so you know, some of this will start happening in 12, because you won't be empowered to do all your amends. You're going to be working on the amends for some period of time, and 12 is the big amends. That's why I need to be spiritually fit. That's why after you've been doing it a while, you won't be chasing people. You'll just be, they'll come when they're ready, right? But at first, we want to go save them because we think that's our mission. <laughs> we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom. Yeah. Some of you online may not know, but this place was built for a lot of people that were doing time. And they talked to us and had a relationship with us for over a year. But for years before that, this was the dream of Joe C. and some other people, Garrett Dietz. Some people that are in here tonight. It was their dream to help people come out of that dark place, Woody back in the back, to help them have a place to land where they had a shot at success. And so when you thought everyone forgot you, <laughs> our amends to society was to provide you new freedom, a tangible experience. 
Make sense? Okay, so we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We'll not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We'll comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. They're describing states of being. I'll suddenly understand the things I didn't understand. I'll comprehend, and I'll know peace. Not I'll think peace, I'll know peace. I will not be in conflict. Does that make sense? Okay. And that doesn't mean all the time, because it's a manner of living. I'll be in I'll be free of conflict until I create a new conflict. Because that's what my mind does. My old idea factory creates new conflicts that only I can solve. Yeah? Okay. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us and we'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So they're describing states of being and we made the mistake of hanging them on a wall and people just recite them like, they, I don't know, but the reality is it's a, it's a change, it's a transformation of the mind. And the reason they're there is to realize how we're perceiving differently, right? So it, it's really good to know what that is. I, I want to go back to the guy who, who's been harmed that you don't think you can make right on tell a story I've told many times here, but I used to run around with a guy, he called himself Black Wally. Any of you have been around a long time, knew Wally. Wally was just a rock star running around helping people, and I would get him to come help me and go to the jails and do other things, but I was kind of a cut-up, and I eventually didn't take this seriously. I twisted off. So I'm thinking when I made it back, I need to go find Wally and make amends and thank him for what all that he did for me. And I found he had passed. I couldn't. So this is somebody I couldn't. So I, I would honestly make him if I could. I took it into prayer. And then one day I'm sitting in the courtyard of a halfway house and I'm doing a fourth step and a fifth step with a young man and in the family lineage and prosecuting the amends and the fears and the resentments, I found out I was sitting with Wally's grandson. So know that, I believe, because the signs and wonders follow us. Thank you very much. Next week we'll look at similar.